Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. Uh, with me, as always, it's Mind Your Banners, March 13th, 2022. With me, as always, Dustin Pirak, Indianapolis Star, Bloomington Herald Times. You, you know the, the gig by now. It's the postseason. Indiana into the NCAA tournament, barely, but into the NCAA tournament for the first time in six years. The Hoosiers are a 12 seed. Um, they will face Wyoming out of the Mountain West in Dayton on Tuesday night. They're the late game. If they win that, they will have to fly to Portland for a Thursday game against the five seed in the region, St. Mary's, out of the West Coast Conference. Uh, Dustin, let's start with selection. We did a, a quick video for the website, um, but we said we'd ex- expand out on it here. Um, at, at the risk of, and I think you and I both try very hard um, in different ways and for different reasons, not to sound like we are, you know, we're playing favorites with IU. Um I feel like the IU got hard done here. It's hard for me to justify IU behind Michigan. Um, it's certainly not that it's an enormous difference because Notre Dame is also in the first four, but they are up a seed line. It's hard for me to justify. It's in fact basically impossible for me to justify Notre Dame ahead of Indiana in the overall seed list, unless your argument is basically just that Notre Dame finished second in the ACC and you're not comfortable with the ninth place team in the Big Ten being ahead of the second place team in the ACC. Um, we have seen some IU players talk about disrespect, you know, at least on social media, kind of immediate reaction to this. Uh, I don't blame them for feeling that way. I don't think Indiana should have been an eight or anything crazy like that, but this feels harsh on them. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I'm presuming just what the committee must have looked at this and is that this team um, had more opportunities to do than it did in Indianapolis and, and was, you know, and didn't basically it, it, it that it sort of, it come on too late. It come on late. Came on late enough to deserve um, a spot and a, a chance at playing itself in. Um, but they obviously looked at it. You know, I don't want to say the whole body of work, but the body of work prior to Indianapolis, and said, you know, you have to judge them more on that basically, and, and didn't. Um, they obviously gave credibility to what happened in the tournament to the win at Illinois. That certainly mattered. Um, and you have to presume that them playing Iowa as tight as they did and getting beat on the last second bank shot three uh, factored in in some way. Um, but they obviously, you know, did not value, um, you know, a comeback win in Indianapolis in the big tournament, big 10 tournament uh, vis-a-vis Michigan, as much as the assembly hall blowout that Michigan won. Um, you know, they obviously gave Rutgers a lot of credit for having beaten Indiana in assembly hall as well, gave some credence there, uh, must have given Notre Dame some credence for being 15 and five in the league. And I presume therefore having a significantly better road record. I imagine they looked at, I mean, Indiana being, I think what three, it was a three and eight or three and nine in true road games. Uh, there's a, there were a lot of ways that you could, you could take some shots at this team's resume and I, I was talking to somebody um uh before the night before the illinois game um so like i guess after they'd beat michigan that they were still in a position where you could talk yourself into putting indiana in the tournament uh or you could p- p- talk yourself into indiana not being there there are certainly some some things that they had done prior obviously the ohio state and the purdue wins you know and that you match that up with the illinois when it gets you in um but even with the michigan win 
big a case there in the Notre Dame win, but you could also look at some of the games they lost, the Northwestern's and a lot of just the inability to win on the road. Uh, there were ways that you could judge them harshly, but you certainly look at the team the last three days and said that that's a team that belongs higher than a 12 line. Um, it, it, it belongs in the right to be higher than a 12 line, but you know, they were harsh on some other teams that made their run um, this week as well. You know, Virginia at 11. I yeah. Think I was going to say, I mean, just, just broadly speaking, like I'm surprised to see Virginia tech so low. I'm surprised to see Texas A&M, not even the first team out of the field. Like why is Dayton ahead of A&M? Not that again, like, okay, you're, we're picking at little bits and pieces here, but like essentially when Tennessee is behind Duke, when Dayton is ahead of Texas A&M in the committee's thinking, when Virginia Tech barely sneaks in, basically wouldn't have gotten in if they hadn't beaten Duke. And when Indiana is behind Michigan, when really the only, I mean like Indiana and Michigan both had the same number of quad one wins. I think Michigan was eight and 11 against quads one and two. Excuse me, Michigan had four, Indiana had three, but Michigan and Michigan was eight and 11 against quad one and two, and I think Indiana was eight and 12. They were, I think Indiana was maybe 41 in the net. I can go look this up while we talk. Um, but the Michigan is 34 in the net, Indiana finished at 39. Michigan, the, the one big difference was non conference strength of schedule. Michigan was in the 20s or low 30s, depending on who you look at. Indiana was in the 300s, but Michigan also doesn't really have a quality non conference win, uh, win other than San Diego State. Um, I mean, it, it, it does kind of lend credence to the idea that the, the committee just doesn't care that much about the conference tournaments, or at very least starts to really let something cement before the conference. Again, I mean, and, and I'm now I'm looking now at the the committee's overall seed list. Indiana is actually ahead of Notre Dame. I don't totally understand how that works if Notre Dame is an 11 and Indiana is a 12. You do have to play with that a little bit from the perspective of, of matchups. Can't you know if you thought Indiana and Rutgers should both be in the first four? Well, one of them's got to be an 11 and one of them's got to be a 12 just for the sake of them not playing in the first round. So that might have something to do with it. Um, but it is just kind of it does feel like the committee just did not put a lot of weight on the conference tournaments. And you can say that's not fair. Frankly, I would agree with you, but it does seem like that's kind of where they landed. I feel like it's not so much they don't put a lot of weight on the conference tournaments. It's almost like they sort of calibrate to push against their recency bias. Um, it, it makes a difference. You can play yourself in um, with conference tournaments. They don't ignore those. But I think I think they see, and, and it's true, you do, I think, as as just a viewer, as a viewer of college basketball, this week you get swept up in what happens in these tournaments because it's a tournament, you know, and, and it's happening. And you're That's like, fair. well, you know, they, they, they beat this team in this game in a neutral site, you know, and they're playing in the championship, man. Like they're playing, you know, Virginia Tech's playing for an ACC championship. They, Carolina, they beat this team, you know, like, and you almost start to view, you know, teams that play in a title game is, is clearly better than teams that don't. And you're like, okay, well, body body work, that's not so much the case. And I, and I think, again, like, I don't think Indiana gets in if they don't beat Illinois. I'd say it didn't make a difference. Um, and I think there were some other teams that played, didn't even win, didn't necessarily win tournaments, but made runs uh, that solidified their opportunity. But I think they sort of, like, they downgrade everything a notch, just to like, almost to, like, counter um, a sense of recency switch in within themselves and it's not you know so again it's not that it doesn't matter but that i don't think they like to get swept away with it so it's almost like guardrails on that to make sure that they don't um and and i, I feel like we've seen this before um and i think they, they sort of keep doing this i different this year it just in in things about just how this 
um, you know, the, the conference setups, basically. I mean, I think they, they, they didn't let them get sell, they, they didn't let themselves get swept up into putting Oklahoma in. And I was a little bit surprised at that after they beat Baylor. So, so that's what I, I think that you could, you, you could clearly state, um, you know, that that could have got them in. I think it certainly got them into the last four in, uh, but it didn't get them across the line. Um, and so I think there, there are some others of those, uh, you know, basically this, and obviously they, they um, you know, the ACC did not get very well rewarded at all. You know, again, I think Virginia Tech when it had to win the whole thing. Um, and, you know, I mean, I you say that, but like they're, you know, I, I mean, I thought there were teams that were deserving of being in over Notre Dame, frankly. Um, were this number, I mean, they, they were the second place. And, and I, and I, I, I also think it's hard to justify where Duke landed given the way that agreed. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just where other teams could have fit around them. I don't know. I mean, I, I just, you know, I think from Indiana's perspective, the lessons going forward, if you want to say, are number one, you got to schedule tougher in the non-conference. And it's worth saying, you know, Mike Woodson has alternately said, A, and this isn't the only time he's contradicted himself this year, but A, he didn't want to challenge his team too much this season, that he wanted a fairly, you know, pedestrian non-conference schedule so that he could really kind of get his team settled in. But also B, he's told us at different times that he he didn't make the schedule, that the schedule was already – at least mostly made for him. Now, I think what he probably meant by that was like the ACC Big Ten, you know, the crossroads, uh, the involvement in the Gavit games. I know for a fact that a number of those game contracts for the, the guaranteed games were signed after he was hired. Um, Indiana needs to schedule tougher in the non-conference. It, it's clear that that helped. You know, I mean, it, 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 it it's clear that that, you know, raised – you know, sort of, I think the committee's view of Michigan as an example, um, when compared to some of these other teams. And again, Michigan didn't really do much with that non-conference schedule, but they did schedule that way. You know, I guess the, the flip side is what could, what is Rutgers doing there then? Because Rutgers scheduled horribly in the non-conference and then did really badly against it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is, and I think you're probably right a little bit too about the committee not wanting to, you know, sort of commit, re, you know, recency bias the, the flip side is the committee i think it's it would be fair to look at the committee and say well in, in that case are you buying biasing yourself against what is recent essentially like are you you know are you in trying not to see what's happened recently are you or overreact to it are you not seeing it well enough i don't know the point is i think from indiana's perspective they have to schedule tougher in the non-conference and quality road wins in conference are gold and this team's just got to find ways to finish them. And, and, you know, they, I wonder where this team would have landed, for example, if they could have won just one of Wisconsin, Ohio state or Purdue on the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you, you keep looking back at that February stretch that starts. I mean, it doesn't start with you. You lose to Illinois at home, which I, I think was sort of like, okay, well, that, that's one you can live with. Uh, you know, that, that, that at the time was obviously, a, a, you know, it's still, Illinois team that they managed to beat on a neutral site. Uh, but you thought, okay, like there's, it's not a killer, but then of course you go on the road and it's the Northwestern issue, um, you know, with the, you know, with the suspensions. Um, and then, you know, it's not right in time for Michigan state. Um, you know, then, then you've got Wisconsin, Ohio state, but you, but you, you obviously Wisconsin, uh, but you have that one, you have a chance to win Ohio state, obviously going December, you had a chance to win in Madison. Um, so but yeah, it's it there. It's a resume. Um, if you get, you know, and, and you could pick a win. Like 
almost anyone they leave on the board, um, you know, and especially the ones they want lost by a handful of points uh, that that could have just drastically, I think, changed the way they were viewed by the committee. I do think they um, one of the things that I think the committee sees itself as um, sees itself as all about punishing like it, it like they it, it seems like they like to punish bad non-conference uh, that, that it's that they view as sort of one of the messages that they like to send that they want to get across every year is if you did not schedule tough non-conference that you're going to pay for that and again Mike Woodson obviously out his reasoning for that um, and and I understand that law and again like you're you're coming in as an NBA guy you you barely know what you have you, do, you don't know if they can run your offense they you don't they don't know you don't know if they could do your, you know do your defense you're putting this guy together you've got a handful of transfers that are a part of your your new group you have uh you know a couple freshmen obviously one of the playing one of which you really don't um but you, there's still a lot of sort of out to go together to putting this team you know together you never saw uh this roster you know like play you know, there were probably never a, a lineup you saw all year that you saw last year you know so like almost in all cases everybody is sort of new together and getting itself acclimated so i get it i understand why he did it he said i think that it not being the schedule was you know i had these four games and i thought all right well that's going to be enough um it ended up i think part of it is too like those games don't end up helping us as much as you would have expected i mean you've got the acc big 10 challenge and syracuse close to playing in a tournament it's a road game and you lose it and that doesn't help you nearly as you would think uh maybe in some other years um you know like you know notre dame St. John's just a, an okay, or I'm sorry, St. John's just an okay team in the Gavit. You know, Notre Dame in the was ends up helping you, but it wasn't a it wasn't a huge one. Um, but you don't get the kind of you know sort of bonus that you you would expect from some of those. It doesn't help you as much uh, because you just you get games that sometimes are worth something. Usually, are worth a lot more that weren't this year. Uh, so again, I, I understood his logic, but obviously, I think I think the community just feels obligated to punish a, a bad looking non conference when I think they were 315th or 304th, they were sub 300, uh, and that'll get you. It depends on who you look at. They were in the 300s. I mean, it, was, it wasn't close. It, it genuinely wasn't close. And, again, I think when Woodson said he didn't make the schedule, I think he's probably talking about the games that are contractually obligated, and Indiana didn't really get a good one out of that. I mean, that Notre Dame finished second in the ACC, but clearly look where they landed in the NCAA tournament. That just wasn't going to be that valuable to the committee. It looks for a while like it might. And you also wonder if Indiana lands here, if Notre Dame is playing for an ACC title, um, but they weren't. And so Indiana's here. The, the one thing that I, I will say, like the, the rest of it, like when it comes down to basically the committee's reasoning, there are a lot of factors that go into that, you know, annually, they kind of have to shift the way they think about certain things because they need to find comparison points between different teams. You don't know what, you know, what bid steals are going to happen. They had to fit Richmond in late, for example. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is subjective and a lot of that stuff, ultimately you can say, well, Indiana should have been again ahead of this team, but ahead of this team, but we're, we're, we're talking small margins. The one thing I think is unfair to frankly, either of these teams is to ask them to play in Dayton on a Tuesday night and Portland on a Thursday night. I don't think that's right. I, I think that that's, that is to me too much like the, it, and if it wasn't, if it was Dayton and then Milwaukee or, or Dayton and then Greenville where it's not, I mean, but you're talking about Dayton and then probably a four and a half hour plane flight essentially overnight because they will be playing. They'll be the late game, which means they'll probably tough up, tip off around what? 9, 15, 9, 30. They probably won't be done until 11. Let's say Indiana wins. 
They probably won't leave the arena until 1230. They'll get on a, presumably they will go straight onto a plane to fly to Portland and get to Portland at, I, I mean, I'm guessing something like 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. Portland time. Um, I mean, that that that's the one piece of this that feels like it could have been avoided, that you you could have moved this matchup somewhere else. If you were hell-bent on this being the a first four matchup, you could have moved it somewhere else. Um, I also, broadly speaking, broadly have a problem with conference champions in the 16 games in the in the first four. I, I don't think that's right either, but that's a discussion for another day. I just think I think kind of the one piece of this that does feel like it should have been, could have been and should have been avoided is asking Indiana to, to asking whoever wins this game to fly to Dayton, basically to get there in the next 24 hours, play a game late Tuesday night, and then fly to Portland for a game late Thursday night. And selfishly, this is going to suck for us. Yeah, I mean, if Indiana wins, it's it's going to be basically God. flight first thing yeah. Wednesday morning, I, mean, I presume. Out of I have, I mean, I I'm assuming out of Dayton. Yeah, I guess. I, I have no idea how we're going to do this. Like, what you just described makes me tired because, like, whatever happens there, we have to write about it. Then somehow find a way to get on a plane. Hopefully just try to get there in time to be there for some Indiana media availability. I have no idea on earth how we're going to do this. So, yes, like this is like and again, obviously, like I because it's literally going to happen to us. I have a hard time speaking about this without with, with pure objectivity here. But like, yeah, I won't lie. I'm a, I mean, just just selfishly, like and this has nothing to do with whether Indiana wins or lose. I'm a little pissed off. Like, yeah, like the I, idea I'm, of just I'm, like I'm a like drive that. to Pittsburgh sounded a little bit better than, uh, yeah, dear God. I mean, yeah, yeah seeing that, I mean, geez. and again, like, I just, you know, th- this is definitely one of those, and we get some of these every year, but this is definitely one of those, like, the NCAA says that this stuff is all about the athletes, and, and, you know, it's, and, and it's about the welfare of the athletes. And by the way, they're students first, it's student and athlete. This isn't about the welfare of the athletes. I mean, like, they're not professionals. Yes, they can make money off their name, image, and likeness now, but but the NCAA still swears they're amateurs. You know, pro- professionals do this. Like, I mean, NBA teams do this, but these these aren't NBA players. They can't bargain collectively. They didn't agree to these sorts of things. Um, it just doesn't feel fair. But let's talk about Wyoming. Um, and to be clear, I mean, it doesn't feel fair to the teams, whether it's Wyoming or Indiana. It's not fair to us either, but ultimately, fair to very, us at all. we are very Someone, someone by the just someone buy them a globe. Somebody buy them. A, they, 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 they've, they've seen this country, right? They're aware of what it takes to get from Dayton to Portland in a day. Like what, how what was seriously? Um, <laughs> I don't Wyoming, know. Again, Wyoming is uh, 25 and eight. They finished 58th in Ken Palm. Uh, they finished 50th in the net out of, uh, out of the mountain West. I lost my mind there for a second. I was about to say the whack and I was like, wait, nope, that's wrong. Um, the, we talked about this a little bit on the video, their best wins this season, basically all came in conference. Uh, they swept Utah state, Ken Palm top 50 team. They beat Colorado state, uh, and Boise state, both at home. Both of those teams are in the NCAA tournament. They also swept Fresno state, which is Ken Palm number 69. Um, please, no jokes. We just, we're not in the mood. We have traveled a book. Um, the best non-conference wins were at Washington and which ultimately kind of turned out to be not a, a terribly impressive win. Washington finished outside the Ken Palm top 100 and at Grand Canyon, um, which was Ken Palm 93. They've got three big players. It feels like in particular, 
and I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. Forgive me. Their leading scorer, Graham EK. Um, he's a forward. He averages 19.6 points and 9.6 boards. Um, he's only six foot nine. He's 252. But at six foot nine, 252, you imagine he's not maybe the, the big bodied player that you you generally sort of see Trace Jackson Davis struggle with. Also, he's got a block rate of just 1%. So I don't think we're talking about a Miles Johnson level rim protector here. That is, that's the other thing that's always given Trace Jackson Davis trouble is that, you know, that, that really athletic shot blocking rim protector. And then the other key, uh, the other key player for Wyoming is Hunter Maldonado, who averages 18.4 points, 5.8 rebounds, 6.3 assists, very much just kind of a, kind of a consummate do everything guard. Um, you go, you know, you go look at his numbers in conference play. I mean, his assist rate in conference play was best in the Mountain West, 42%. Doesn't turn it over a ton. Um, doesn't shoot a lot of threes. I think clearly much more of kind of a drive, drive and dish point guard than a shooter. And their, their third leading scorer is, I think, their best shooter. Drake Jeffries is his name. He hits 42% of threes, and he averages 10.5 points. Maldonado is also um, – at least body type wise, one of these players we talk about, he's about six, seven. One of these players that we talk about being a bit of a, a matchup problem for Indiana's, you know, the way Indiana wants to pressure the ball, the personnel they have, he's listed at six, seven, two Oh three. Um, you know, I think as much as anything else, it's a good team. And it's a team that I think was widely expected to make the tournament. If anything, I think maybe some people were surprised to see them fall into the, the first four, two, somebody's got to, and that's just, that's just part of the deal. But um, you know, th- this is not a cakewalk for Indiana. You would imagine they will have a sizable advantage in the crowd, obviously. Um, but the flip side of that is, you know, we've seen how crowds and neutral sites can turn on Indiana if they start to get frustrated. So I think that there's going to be a healthy dose of Indiana's got to respect Wyoming in this game. Indiana's got to be sharp. We've heard a lot again about sort of feeling disrespected and whatever else, but that's got to translate into sharpness and focus, not into pettiness and frustration. Um, And Indiana's got to be ready for a team that can hurt you multiple ways. That's got multiple guys in this Wyoming team that can score 20, 25 points in a single game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look, I mean, I, a big number I think you look at here is that they've got like about 2,200 some odd three-pointers this year, which is, uh, you know, significantly more than what, what Indiana has. Drake Jeffries, which percentage, but I think he's hit like 94. Uh, and that, that's obviously a big number. It's almost double what, you know, Parker Stewart has uh, as Indiana's leader. So I think it, it, a lot of pieces, you see what Maldon, you see what he can do, you see what Jeffries can do, but there's a couple other guys on that group that could shoot a bunch. Of and that's so what we've seen out is a, is a big issue when Indiana, when there is a significant three discrepancy, um, they've got a problem. They can keep the ball out away from the rim about as well as anybody in the country, but shooting the, you know, uh, they defend the three. Okay. But not great. And they can get burned from outside. And, and Wyoming's got some guys that can burn them from outside. And when that happens, they don't have the shooters to catch back up. You know, they're not going to be able to match. So that, that is something that you got to circle. And again, obviously they've got to play, you know, so, so they've got to go in with that understanding uh, and obviously be fired up, be aware of who they are. And, and again, try to just continue what they've been doing. Obviously Trace Jackson Davis has been, uh, was phenomenal in the big 10 tournament. Xavier Johnson was excellent in the big 10 tournament. Uh, you know, race Thompson was at least solid. They need those guys to 
stay at that level and they need some other guys to raise up. Um, you know, they, they need a Parker Stewart. They need a Miller cop. They need those guys to knock down some shots. They need some bench play. They need Trey Galloway to, you know, defend well. They need race Thompson to defend. Well, they could really use Jordan Geronimo being, being healthy enough to give them some minutes. Uh, it's going to be all, all hands on deck for this group uh, pretty clearly here that there's, there's a, there's a, they, they got to get right a lot. Wyoming is going to be pretty riled up. Like you said, um, now tough deal for them. They got to get on a plane. You know, we obviously are talking about what whoever has to do once they've win, won this game has to do, but like Wyoming's got to go get on a plane, I guess, tonight and go out to Dayton, you know, almost, almost immediately. Uh, and then they've got to come back to Portland if they win it. So that's going to be a, a rough one for them. So Indiana has that advantage. Um, but, you know, tough, tough turnaround for both teams. But definitely, you imagine, you know, Wyoming certainly feels disrespected, too, is aware that they're Wyoming and this is Indiana and and there's a difference there and that they're going to, to have some sort of some more underdog, um, you know, things to draw upon than Indiana necessarily will. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I mean, you can turn uh, a neutral side arena around in favor of the uh, sort of perceived underdog and the perceived underdog is always going to be the team that's not carrying the um, powerhouse name on the front of his jersey. Right. right. Wyoming third, 32nd in the country um, on two point field goal percentage this season, 218th on three point field goal percentage. Um, so it, it very least statistically, and if you look at it, you know, they, they don't score an inordinate number of their points from behind the three point line. They were 171st in, in percentage of points on that came on threes this year. One thing it is worth noting um, for an Indiana team that can sometimes struggle with foul trouble um, Wyoming led the West Coast Conference in free throw rate, uh, which is, a, I, I mentioned the stat from time to time, and I'm always compelled to explain what it is. It, it's, it's an imperfect measure, but what it is is your, the number of free throws you attempt divided by no, the number of field goals you attempt, and so therefore sort of a measure of how many free throws you're shooting as a percentage of your total shots. Um, they, their free throw rate this season was outstanding in, in conference play. It was 37.7%. It was still 37% overall, 33rd in the country. Um, to give you an example, like Indiana was pretty good at that. And they were only 33.5% in conference play. They were, they finished fourth in the big 10 and they were only 31.2%. So that's, that's another part of this too, because we know this is an Indiana team that needs to keep certain players on the floor. It needs to keep certain players available. Xavier Johnson, Trace Jackson Davis, Trey Galloway, you know, certainly to an extent anyway, race Thompson, his importance only, only grows if Jordan Geronimo is unavailable or limited. Um, and you would imagine, given the matchups that, that Wyoming's going to put on the floor, he's going to be important as well. Indiana's got to get through this game without getting into a ton of foul trouble. And Wyoming is the kind of team that can put you in it. You yeah, know, absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen that. And, and obviously, Mike Woodson being pretty well, um, he, he's obviously a guy who believes in taking you off the floor when you get your second in the first half. Um, you know, you've seen that. I mean, even in cases basically this weekend in a must win game. Uh, you know, pulls Xavier Johnson, you know, off the floor when he when he's got two fouls. Might have done it twice. Um, so, you know, th that's a significant issue, obviously. Again, like you said, Ray Thompson, if you're pulling him off the floor and Jordan Geronimo is not available, you're moving Miller Cop there. Uh, and so that changes the dynamic significantly. So, um, no, big, big deal there. If they can they can draw a lot of fouls, they can get Indiana in foul trouble. They can really mess up with their plans. Put um, in the, uh, what you call it, uh, put Mike Woods in a position where he's got to make some you know, determinations. So it could be tough. The one thing I will say is we heard from Mike Woodson. We heard from Rob Fennessy. Let's close this way um, on Sunday night. You know, we saw some of the social media reaction 
in front of the cameras, it was pretty universally sort of, this was a big step. Indiana needed to be back in the tournament. Indiana needed to put that hole. They're not in, you know, they haven't been in the tournament next number of years behind them and all that, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think that was really important, frankly, for this team. I, I think that is fair. And I don't, I, I, I flatly disagree with people who say that Dayton isn't the tournament. It is the tournament. You were literally in the NCAA tournament. Um, it was not lost on IU fans that UCLA made the final four out of the first four last year. Now, obviously that's, you know, in a, a very unusual circumstance, but VCU has made this final four out of the first four before we have seen first four teams get to the second weekend before. My point is not to say that Indiana is going to do those things so much as it is to say the first four is still the tournament. If, if Mike Woodson goes to the tournament, each of the next four years, no one's going to say he went on a, he, he went to the tournament four straight years. They're going to say five straight years because this is the NCAA tournament. And I think that as, as frustrated as Indiana fans were, as frustrated as maybe Indiana players were, at least to some extent, it is still very important that this team cross that off, put it in the past. People like you and me aren't going to be asking questions like, you know, what's it going to take for you guys to finally get over the hump and get into the tournament next season? That's in the past now. And I think that is meaningful you know, in an intangible way, maybe some tangible ways for this program. No, it absolutely is. I mean, I think one thing that should be noted um, is if, as far as how you're judging Mike Woodson, it's, you know, splitting hairs and whatnot. But if I'm not mistaken, Indiana was sort of the top of the first four out. And what that means is they would have been in in a 64 team tournament. Um, like basically because you, you sort of bump up the two 16s and take out like you take out I think that's right. Am I wrong about this or not? I yeah, guess not. you would be removing at-large teams, so I think so. I'm I not, guess you'd I, be removing all four. So I guess never mind. I guess you wouldn't. Yeah. I guess they'd be out. They'd be. They'd have been the last team out. I but guess, either way, the, the, I mean, the point is, it is. It is the tournament. Like, yeah, you know, no, it, it is. It, it may not be the part of the tournament you want to be in if you're an IU fan, but it is the tournament. Right. You have the opportunity to play for a national championship game. Now it's going to be harder for Indiana to do it than it is for some other teams, but they still have that opportunity. They literally wouldn't if they hadn't made it through Dayton. Um, and it just, it, it just, it really does feel like at very least Mike Woodson kind of gets to put a period on the end of this season and the end of this year, you know, this, the, this year as a whole block of him being hired, the skepticism of it. How's he going to connect with players? How's he going to recruit? Can he hire a good staff? And can he get Indiana back to a place of competitiveness in the Big Ten? You know, I mean, it's it's it needs to get better from here. This needs to be the new baseline. But but, you know, this is progress for Indiana. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's totally progress. Again, we, we haven't been there uh, in six years. Obviously, we have to continue to point out that the 2020 team would have got there had there been a tournament. Um, but there wasn't. So, you know, because of a once in a century pandemic. So like, it, it is necessary to point that out when you're judging where this program is and has been that part of that is out factors outside of anyone's control. Um, but bottom line, like they, they've got to get in this event now. I mean, I, I think you obviously desperately want the full experience. You like when they talk about what it means, I think for the players to get in the tournament, it is getting there um, and being where there's a whole site where there's a whole crew of teams where there's, you know, four seeds and three seeds and two seeds and one seeds um, or, or whatever it might be, wherever you're getting sent that, that like 
where it really truly feels like the big dance in, the, in a way that, that the play-in game doesn't necessarily. So they obviously want to win it and they can change the game by winning the game. Um, but again, when you're judging them, you know, whether they win or they don't win it, uh, you know, years from now on, on the list, they're, like, he is in. They're in. Mike Woodson got Indiana to the NCAA tournament in his first year. That is something that no one can take away. Um, and these guys got to play in an NCAA tournament. They'll be able to say that. You can't take that away. It's true. Uh, that's that's a bottom line fact, but um, they will get something out of this, win or lose. But I, but obviously, I think you want to you you, you want to get past the first one just to make sure that you you would get the feeling of you know of the real thing of of all of the pomp and circumstance that comes with the first weekend, all the teams being there, a full slate of games, all the madness going on around you, elsewhere in the country, being in the midst of that is something that I'm sure they they. They could really, really use this. is This is better than being in the NIT, um, and, you know. So, it is, and again, really important, critical from a just landmark perspective of saying they got there. They were one of the sixty-eight. They were in. They got a crack at it, and that's something that that no team since twenty sixteen has been able to say in Indiana. Let's leave it there. Um, we'll obviously have a lot of coverage at IndyStar.com slash sports tonight, tomorrow, because Indiana is going to head to Dayton, presumably tomorrow morning, um, to, to get ready to do shoot around and pregame practice and all that. We will talk to them in Dayton. We'll have more from Dayton. If they win, we will have more from God knows where we'll be, um, you know, road trip, road tripping slowly, but steadily across the country. Um, and if they lose, then the season will be over. For Dustin Apirak, I'm Zach Osterman for the Indianapolis Star and the Bloomington Herald Times. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Banners. This has uh, been a lot of fun, and it's going to be an interesting week at least ahead. Um, we will talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.